Welcome into a special NHL draft preview episode of the Road to Nashville podcast. Cutler Klein sadly is no longer with us anymore because he graduated and got a big boy job with Nashville SC. So, until my co-host, who we have already found, is introduced, I'm kind of filling in with random people. Um, you guys got to settle for Justin today, so sorry about that. He's here. He's he's laughing at me, but he is he is our substitute Cutler today. I think I'm going to start making masks and make whoever sits in like wear a Cutler mask because I kind of miss him. Oh my gosh! First of all, the whole no longer with us dot dot dot. Yeah, he didn't die. He's got a big boy job. He didn't die, but he's he's still around. He's kicking around in Nashville. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not wearing a Cutler mask. Girl said I'll be old all Old Town Road. <laughs> hey, that song is growing on me. I hear it all the time now. That's I was, why <laughs> I was visiting my friend in Chattanooga. And we went to a pizza place, and as soon as we walked in, they started playing Old Town Road on the karaoke. It was, oh my gosh. Uh, it was so bad, but it was I couldn't not listen to it because it was oh kind goodness. of enjoyable. Well, so I'm really looking forward to this draft because, one, PBR will be represented there again. But two, hey, the Preds have early picks and therefore all the people to talk to yeah. here. Because last year, to go through a quick recap, last year in Dallas, the Predators' first pick was until the fourth round. So I'm sitting there in the rafters for a long, long, long time waiting for the Preds to make a pick. They finally make their first pick in the fourth round, and he's not there. The Predators made Typical. four picks in the 2019, the 2018 NHL draft. None of those four picks were present. So they're in Dallas. Uh, got to talk to the scouts, but none of the draft picks. I would have uh, had them reimburse me for that trip. <laughs> like, I was here. I was ready to talk to people. It's a long way to drive to not have interviews. <laughs> but this year, the Predators have a lot of picks, and they, they absolutely need them. I mean, they have their first round pick. They have they don't have their second because that was the Boyle trade, right? And then they have a third, two fourths, five, six, seven. So they have a plethora of picks to help restock that cupboard, if you will, as David Boyle likes to say. Which they need to because if you've looked at the prospect pool lately, it is bone dry. Their top two prospects, Ellie Tolvin and Dante Fabro. Fabro should be up in Nashville next year. That's kind of the, the plan. Tolvanen is gonna every indication is he's gonna get every chance to make the camp out of the team out of training camp. And if he doesn't, he'll go back down to Milwaukee. But it's kind of expected sometime next year, maybe in the middle of the season, he'll come up and they'll try to keep him up here. So you're looking at potentially your top two best prospects are going to be with the team, which is, is great. That's what you want. But you you have no one else. Like literally, <laughs> Frederick Allard is probably your next best prospect, and he's a couple years away from being NHL ready. Yeah, and then, I mean, you have other prospects in the system, but you can tell in terms of high-end prospects. And when we say high-end, we're like – Guys that could play middle six, guys that could play in the second pairing, because it's really tough to find top three yeah. with, the, with where the Predators draft. But good middle six guys that can actually come and contribute, because when you're looking at bottom six, you can get those in free agency if you really do need them. You want middle six prospects, guys that could play second or third line, actually produce a little bit scoring-wise, uh, and then guys that could play defense and not just be that extra defender. And they really don't have that right now, and they know they don't have that because they've been all in for the past few seasons, and so they need to fill those in. Uh, and so that's why, in terms of helping people understand the draft and how this works and everything, too, especially with where the Predators are drafting, keep in mind, folks, that it is not one of those things where you're going to see these players immediately. This is a time to where they're going to restock the cupboard. Most of these guys are probably be obviously going to be going back to their junior teams, going to play college, uh, still being overseas. The Predators love to draft overseas players, uh, as most teams have discovered talent overseas now, too. And especially in smaller European countries, we're seeing that a lot more now. But, you know, it's two, three years before they even are probably playing minors. Um, and then maybe the first round pick, if they really end up very, very good, they could be in two years making it to the team, depending on who they get. So it's just something to keep in mind to set expectations that way. But as I've always said, what's fun about the draft, especially with this many picks coming in, pick a guy and start following his career. It is a lot more fun that way because in two, three, four years, whenever they make the show and you've been following them now for four or five years, 
it's really cool to finally see them make their debut. So I highly suggest people do that. It's a lot of fun to follow a player through his career like that. Unless you're Glenn and you pick, you pick Pontus Aberg and then he ends up getting <laughs> traded and he's no longer with the team, then you, that kind of sucks. And but. then he scores against the Preds. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually did that. Funny story. I did that when I was interning in uh, was it 2015 with uh, David Beauclair at the Nashville Post. He was like, he kind of told me the same thing. He was like, you know, pick someone you, you like and have that be your first interview. He's like, you're going to remember that player. He's like, you're going to follow that player around. Who do I pick? Jonathan Diaby. Oh. That was, he was a fun interview. It was great. He, he gave me a lot of good content. But as we you know, he, you know, didn't really do so hot. He was out of hockey. Uh, he, he had to deal with all that racial stuff last year, trying to get back yeah. into hockey. Tough, tough career, but it is kind of funny how you say that. Like, Glenn had a bad experience. I did, too. So, hopefully, you have better luck choosing a player <laughs> than, than we do. Um, I chose Ryan Ellis. There you go. First one. I mean, look at the records he set with the Spitfires yeah. and Team Canada. He's Captain Canada for a while. Now, Jonathan Diaby, yeah, he played in the LNAH last season. He, he had a rap career for a little bit, too. He did. So, he left the Cyclones to, to start that. So, interesting. But, yeah, it's fun. You know, don't, don't you don't have to choose just one, but there's yeah. a couple. You know, it's... It, it, a first round pick, it's it's that's the easy way out, is what I like to say. Choose that third or fourth round pick and see where they go. Follow your college or junior career. It's really cool to do that. So, um, to to highlight the picks the Predators have, they're picking twenty fourth overall in the first round. So a little bit higher than some previous instances for the Predators, uh, and then they don't pick again until Saturday morning. So the draft coming up Friday evening starts at five p.m. local time in Vancouver, so seven p.m. in Nashville. Pick 75 in the third round is from Florida. Then they have two fourth-round picks. The first one is 109 from Colorado. Then pick 117. Then their fifth-round pick is 148. Their round six pick is 179. And round seven, the Mr. Irrelevant pick is 210. So lots of picks. Hopefully, I'm just hoping at least two of them are there. That's that's really so. What you're saying with all those picks is the predators are going to double their pipeline with this draft, right? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, because they've allowed some of those uh, draft rights to expire. Uh, what Pavel Coltagen was one. Yeah, I think it was what two weeks ago that yeah. it expired. Um, who was so, the was who was the goalie? Was it Vizmelka? I think so. They didn't offer him. So interesting to see, but I mean the the highlight is always Tomas Vomachka. I mean, he's, he's the guy with the personality. He is the measuring stick for all Preds rookies going from this point <laughs> forward on, on introductory interviews. Oh, man. He, and he is a hoot. He has such a personality. He even tweeted out that he was really looking forward to development camp. Which, again, folks, all that information is online to development camp. Make sure you head to it because all those sessions at Centennial on ice are free and open to the public. It's a great way to see the future for the Nashville Predators. And it's a great way, too, because to show how much people in Nashville love hockey – because those guys take that and they run with it. And then the Future Stars again will be at Ford Ice Center um, next Saturday. So that's always kind of a fun thing, too, to see these guys out there pushing hard. Because it gets competitive. They want to look really good, especially these draft picks. They want to look good for the scouts. It earned Zach Magwood a roster spot. Yeah, it really it did. Yeah, so if they show out, it could, it could earn them a spot. It could earn them an AHL contract. It could earn them something more. So it's a lot of fun to see that. And so speaking of development camp. Um, one, so, one quick thing before yeah, yeah, we get yeah. into that. If nothing, go to development camp just to watch Tomas Vomachka do whatever he does. <laughs> Last year, he army crawled out of the goal oh, to retrieve a puck while everyone's looking at him. And it didn't bother him. He went as slow as he wanted to. He grabbed it. And then he threw it over his head like a grenade and then laughed. And then army crawled back to the goal. <laughs> and then in the second session, the second day, he had sunglasses on under his helmet and tried to walk out onto the ice with the sunglasses on until one of the coaches were like, hey, you can't wear those out there. And his response was, why not? <laughs> this kid, he has more personality than any other any other 19, 20-year-old kid I've ever seen. So go out and watch him because you will just laugh just watching the antics that he, that he has. Wait, wait, wait. People in hockey don't like personality, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> that, is that why P.K. Subban should be out of the league right now? Right, right. right. Um, so development camp, oh God, what was I going to say now? <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Exactly. That, that's the Vomachka oh, yes. effect. Speaking of which, development camp, um, I was at Elite Edge, the hockey showcase last week. I know you were there getting pictures yeah, and everything fun. as well, which is really cool to see all this top talent, um, in terms of kids, kids talent from the Southeast and all of North America come to Nashville to perform and take classes and learn from all these scouts. From any from coaches in my not in the minors but in juniors and colleges. There's kids from really Florida cool. coming to Nashville to oh, get one on one coaching or to oh, get yeah. just to get coaching from these guys because the showcase is here. It's huge. And who do I see there is Zach Stepan. Hmm. 
previous Predators prospect. Former prospect. Um, so he, he finished his career in Minnesota State uh, in, for college hockey, and he is now coaching in junior. So that's why he was there, because I know that he was out of hockey for, I think, a year. Um, probably wanted to step back a little bit to, to deal with, with, with that, but now he's back into coaching. He's an assistant coach in junior hockey, so really good for him. It was good to see him, because I didn't recognize he wearing glasses, yeah. had a stubble going on, uh, and, a, and a ball cap. He's got almost kind of incognito but it was good to, good to be there and it was great and yeah this is this is one of those humble brag things what's fun for us as media members is talking to prospects because they they really do appreciate it yeah. there's so many times because in terms of prospects who's getting all the attention obviously the number one draft picks are getting the attention the guys that have made names for themselves are getting all the attention but guys like like zach what was cool is i always made time to interview him because one he was always a good interview and two, he's very personable. Three, he played against Alabama Huntsville, which is a team that we cover. So it's always neat to get that perspective from another team that's in the WCHA. And he remembers that. I mean, players remember who interviews him and who takes the time to talk to them and know when you actually have something best, vested interest in talking to them and learning about their life story and talking about their story yeah. and everything. So it's really cool to do that. And so know that these players and prospects really do appreciate, especially when fans are taking the time out to learn more about them because it, it helps welcome them to Nashville, to the system at least, and knows that people do care about what's going on in their lives. So yeah. side story, but that, that's and something kind of cool. similar to that happened last year, development camp um, outside of like the normal players that know who the Nashville media are we're doing scrums interviewing these players. So rarely do you get a chance to walk up and be like, hi, I'm Michael I'm with penalty box radio and introduce right. yourself. They maybe see your face, but they don't know who you are. They, they know who Nick and Kevin are cause they're the PR guys. Right. But <laughs> most of the local reporters that they don't take the time to get to know their names. They're here for a week and they're back in their junior teams or wherever. Um, but I was, I was covering development camp last year doing interviews and getting some sound bites and taking photos. And, um, Joachim Kondalik added me on, followed me on Instagram <laughs> and then followed me on Twitter and then messaged me and said, hey, I remember you from development camp. You're shooting photos. Do you have any of me from the week? And, and I was just pictures. like, I do, actually. I was like, they're not as good as what John Russell does because John Russell is the Preds team photographer, and he works for Associated Press and all that, and he has fantastic equipment. I was like, they're not as good as John's, but I do have some. And I sent them to him. He was like, this is awesome. And then within like five minutes of me sending them to him, his Instagram story was literally the photos I just sent him where he, where he was like first day on the job and stuff. And it was really cool. And um, that's cool. Milan Klaus, Klausek, Klaus Czech, I don't mm -hmm. know how you say his last name. He did the same thing. He was just like, hey, are you the guy that was with, with uh, I forgot what he said. He I think he went to say penalty box radio, but I think he said penalty stick radio or something. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that's me. And he was like, hey, do you have any photos of me? He was like, I know I saw you with your poking your lens at me. And I was like, yeah, I have, a, I have a really good one of you, actually. I sent it to him. He was like, it's great. And then he tweeted it out, which is really cool. So they, it's nice to have this interaction because sometimes I forget that these are 18-year-old kids. Oh, yeah. So, and it's almost like when I'm doing my, uh, the high school stuff, like these kids want pictures and stuff to share with their, their friends. It's, it's even a bigger stage for them because they're with a professional hockey team, oh, yeah. not just, you know, high school, college stuff. Yeah, they just want to make the show. Yeah. Whatever it is to show that they're making the show. So it's just, it's neat to interact with them and these guys, especially if you go out in the community and it's really neat to see them just get introduced, especially those, it's their first timers. So the guys that get picked and they come to Nashville right after the draft, it's like, okay, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're part of the community <laughs> now. Go do service. Um, so it's always neat to see them do that and get them right introduced to it. And so I'm looking forward to being in Vancouver for the draft. It'll be interesting just because start time, they have to cater to the East Coast. So it starts at 5 p.m. in Vancouver, so it's 8 p.m. local in the Eastern time zone. Um, so in Vancouver, uh, I know that Adam Bingham with The Athletic will be there too, so make sure you're following him for updates too, as well as the Predators will be there as well. Uh, I know Brooks Bratton is going to be there too, and they're going to be doing some some great stories, I know, on some the Predators that actually are from B.C., which is really cool because there's a lot of natural Predators that are from B.C., so there's some great opportunities there. So. How about I'm gonna I wanna ask you now. I want I wanna interview you. This is your okay. podcast. Okay. So as we switched into this year's draft gear and everything, is that we're always looking at all these mock drafts and so many of them. And people you That's know, how I spent my last week is analyzing mock drafts. Yeah. And obviously everyone has their own opinion on who the predator should take. So again, the predators picked twenty-fourth overall in the first round. Not saying what, who you think the predators should draft. <laughs> But who would you like to see the Predators draft? Who's, who kind of stands out to you, Michael? I would like to see the Predators draft an impact forward. And I will explain who I okay. think that would be in a second. 
but I'll, I will have a story on this <laughs> coming out, depending on when you listen to this, it might already be out. Uh, what I did was I analyzed some mock drafts. I tried to pick people with credibility, people that if you go to their website and see their mock draft and you read over, you're like, I can see that happening. Not some run of the mill, you know, blog that does random stuff and tries to act like they're superior about prospects or anything like that. Um, Mile High Hockey, for instance, they had one that I read it and I'm just like, man, that was just completely wrong. That's that's some of the worst worst stuff I've ever read. And it's it's amazing the amount of, of hot takes you'll see in, in mock drafts. But <laughs> So the ones I analyzed were NBC Sports, mm-hmm. TSN, Bleacher Report, three guys from NHL.com, McKean's Hockey, Yahoo Sports, The Score, and Corey Pronman from The Athletic. I feel like those are kind of, that's a good mix of about 10 or so that if I picked anyone from there and be like, this is who I think they're going to pick, no one would really argue to be like, that. that's a respectable pick. It was, what struck me is, three out of them, out of those mock drafts I looked at, had the Predators taking defensemen. And then five out of them, uh, no, six out of those had them taking a forward. Mm-hmm. And of those six, three of them had them taking a versatile forward that can play either center or wing. Which kind of, it just struck me as interesting because... I feel like the Predators need center depth. I feel like that is their number one priority. They they have some they have some prospects that could that could play on the wing now. Um, none that I feel are going to make the Predators team in the next couple of years. But I mean, you got Richard. You have Rem Pitlick who kind of slots around. Obviously, Ellie Tolvin in. You know, Yakov Trenin, uh, Kirkland, Yakim Kondalik, Taylor Gaudet. I mean, Patrick Harper, Zach Magwood. So that they have a decent prospect pool in, in the forward area, mm-hmm. but none that, that really strike me as that's someone that I would like to see make the team. So looking through all these draft guides, I was just like, I was looking at, at all the people that were taken in the mock draft. Um, ironically, out of all the ones that I looked at, the only person that picked, and I'm not saying I know more about this than they do, or they know more about it than I do. The only person that I kind of <laughs> agreed with was Guillaume LePage of NHL.com. He picked Philip. Tomasino, who is a center, who's projected to be a mid to late first round pick. Everyone else picked players that I've never heard of. And I was reading their scouting reports and I'm like, that doesn't really feel like that that fits in with the team. So I started looking at some of the draft guides. And one of the ones that the name that just kept sticking in my head was Samuel Pauline. He is a six foot one right winger. He's a left-handed shot, 208 pounds, which not this year, but last year, going back to that Winnipeg series, the Predators need size. They need size. They need forwards that don't get pushed off the puck, a la Victor Arvidsson, Kevin Fiala, stuff like that. So reading his scouting report, what struck me was, this is what this is what they said about him. He's very good at handling the puck with speed and is a complete power forward. That makes me think of James Neal. Mm-hmm. He has great control of the puck with one hand, which allows him to protect the puck very effectively. That would come in handy against the Ducks, against the Jets, you know, physical teams. He's aggressive offensively and can lead the rush by carrying the puck into the offensive zone and set up possession. That really struck me because it was like a light bulb went off. Like if there was ever a forward tailor made to fit Peter Laviolette's system, that is it right there. Mm-hmm. He's Canadian, so obviously the kid knows how to play hockey. He's probably been playing it since he was four. He is someone that I would I would really like to see. Granted, if he's around, the, the Predators pick at twenty fourth, so he he might not go there. He's in future considerations draft guide, he's the number 23 overall prospect. So he's he's right there. He, if he falls to them, I feel like he's someone that would be worth looking at. In 2017-18 in the, in the QMJHL, he had 16 goals and 45 points. Not bad. This past year, his production went up. He played in 12 more games, but he had 29 goals and 76 points. So obviously something clicked in that last year mm-hmm. to where his offensive skills, they really shot up development-wise. I feel like if there's anyone that's going to be around, I, I, would, I would love for them to look at someone like Samuel Pauline. And consolation prize, I guess, would be Philip Tomasino. He's five foot eleven. He's 179 pounds, so he's a little smaller than the prototypical forward that I would like. But this year, he had 34 goals and 72 points, and that's just kind of hard to overlook as a center. Yeah. Okay. So I know I, I just touched on a lot there. No, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, that's great information because. What we want to do for this is get people familiar with some of these names yeah. so they know what to look up and they can do the research on, on their own. They, we're providing more information. We have draft guides. We have all these things too. Yeah. 
again, we are not able to watch all of these yeah. guys play. This is by no means me saying I know about this. This is yeah, just what I've read and the information yeah. that's given to me. This is how I feel about that particular now, player. Now, I'm curious. Is it Samuel Poulin? 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 <laughs> Poulin? We'll have to, because he plays in the queue. Yeah. So it's obviously French. And the, and the last, well, I'm always curious because that's one of the things Poulin. I will make sure to ask. Yeah. Especially if they're how not American. Yeah. Is how do you say your name? Please help us get it right. The right way. Don't Americanize it. What's yeah. the right, especially if it's a Euro or a French Canadian because Alex Carrier was like, no, Carrier's fine. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not your name, dude. Um, but it's interesting here just looking on Elite Prospects. Aberg's fine. No, your name is Oberg. Oberg. Take pride in your name. <laughs> so what I've seen just in terms of looking at the overall rankings, Poulin, I'll go with the Poulin, you go Pouline. We'll Pouline. see which one's right. And it's, he's pretty much right the same on all these rankings. So yeah. that's the one there's most seen most the consistency. And that's what I like too is every time I looked, I looked at about three or four different draft guides. He's mid twenties. He, he was always between twenty two and twenty six. Yeah. He's that's right the in the sweet mid-20s. spot for the Preds. And everyone is saying that where you have other guys where it might be sixteen, another person has them ranked thirty two, another one's like yeah. forty, another one's fourteen. So very curious. Like Ellie Tolman's draft year, I think oh, ESPN man. had him ranked in like the top ten. There was there was one <laughs> that I read that had him ranked as like forty six and the rest had him 15 to 20. Crazy. And then he ends up falling to 30. It's like, crazy. The amount of inconsistency between a lot of these draft guys is pretty amusing. But what I liked about Pauline, Pauline, however you say it, <laughs> is the fact that he's got good size. He's 6'1", he's 208 pounds. He's not going to get pushed off the puck as easily as a Kevin Fiala would. Mm-hmm. And he's consistently right around that 23-24, which gives me a little bit of hope that he's going to be there. And if he is, I think he would be a great fit for the Preds. I don't think he's going to come in right away. But I think he's someone... He's, he's got another year probably of juniors left. I feel like he's someone you could let him play in juniors, give him a year or two in Milwaukee, and then maybe in, in two or three years he could come up, play on the third line, and, and transition up to that top six forward role. And you're seeing him get better and better every year. He has world junior experience that knows that he is considered one of the top players representing his country as well. Granted, he didn't produce as much. He played seven games with two points, but it shows he's there. They recognize that talent. He's played in the playoffs a lot in juniors too, so that extra game experience. Not just playing a 60-game season, but he's played – he played 77 games last year with Sherbrooke just because of the playoffs. And then he's gotten better and better every year. He had a thirty, almost a 30-point increase, so a 31-point increase year to year. That's what you want to see at a junior. It doesn't mean it's always going to translate, yeah. but that's what you want to see is not just consistency, but extra production. Every year getting better and better because they should be getting better and better as they get older because you're playing more as a man. And Ryan Ellis is a perfect boy. example of that. He's yeah. someone that tore it up in the juniors and only got better and better each year he was in the juniors until he finally made it up. And, and look at him now. He's he's one of the best defensemen in the league. Yeah. Top so 10. some other names that have been tossed around because of where they're ranked. And I think, too, with the Predators, a lot of times, well, we've seen it how often they don't pick. <laughs> they don't pick right where the, that your sweet spot is. Yeah. They're going to pick someone that is ranked in the 30s or 40s because they value that person higher. Now, what has been asked, especially the first-round pick, because the Predators don't always have that, they're going to take the best player available based on their, their draft board. And the reason why is they just need prospects. I don't think there is They need is a, bodies in Milwaukee. They need bodies. They need bodies to fill in, in the minors and in the system so they can just get better and better because more prospects also give you more trading tools. Not to say they need to trade them away, but you get more prospects in there, then you can do more with the team too. You can allow contracts to expire. You can trade current players because you know you have more in the wings ready to come into action. So... The way I see that, too, is not necessarily they have a need at a certain position. They just need bodies. They need more guys in the system. So whoever's the best available, they will take. Now, in terms of looking at the rankings, what I'm seeing is the best available is probably going to be a forward. Yeah. I think it's a good thing because <laughs> they don't need scoring. You don't want the situation to come up where, well, it depends on how you want to look at it. But Seth Jones, the year where they obviously could have used Alex Barkov. <laughs> that year, Seth Jones, at the For time, sure. based on the rankings, he was the best available. And then you look at there's other players under there that have had successful NHL careers, but Seth Jones is probably going to win a Norris in the next three years. What's so, crazy about that yeah. draft is, like, I mean, I, it's crazy to think how close the Preds could have been to getting Nathan McKinnon or how close they could have been to getting Jonathan Duran. Yeah. I mean, the first four picks was such a crapshoot, it worked out getting Jones trading for Johansson, but they could have I mean, it, off, which who was it? They could have Barkov is, is great. They could have had Jonathan Duran, who has been been very underwhelming. I mean, if Colorado takes Seth Jones 
and then everything mixes up. Everything gets screwed up. And oh, then yeah. if you somehow get Nathan McKinnon at pick at pick four of the first <laughs> round, like, my gosh, man. Could you imagine this team the right now with Nathan McKinnon? The difference. Not that Ryan Johansson isn't a great number one center. He is. But imagine a one-two of McKinnon and Johansson. Oh, yeah. My gosh. So some of the other names are getting tossed around. There's uh, uh, Igor Afanasyev. Afanas- Afanasyev. Sorry. It's Russian. It takes a few times yeah. to say it. Uh, he's a left winger out of the Windsor Spitfires. In terms of rankings, he's ranked 59 by Hockey Prospect. I think the Russian factor comes in with some of these rankings. Then 54 by Future Considerations, but number 24 by ISS Hockey, who I've interned with before. 36 by McKean's. 16 by NHL Central Scouting from North American Skaters. 37 by Elite Prospects. And 42 by Bob McKenzie. So he's in that zone. Granted, Nashville doesn't necessarily have the best history with Russians. But he's in that zone to where if the Preds see something out of him, then you never know what could happen because he's also played in North America for a while, too. I mean, he played for the Little Caesars. He's played for Muskegon Lumberjacks in the USHL. He's played for Russia internationally. Um, and then he's now coming to the OHL and playing for the Spitfires. So that's one of those names that's been thrown out. There's also one that I don't think is going to be available to the Preds, but if he is, I would I would venture to take him as Ryan Suzuki with the Barry Colts right now. In terms of his rankings, 26 hockey prospect, 14 future considerations, 21 ISS hockey, 18 central scouting, 26 elite prospects, number 12, my Uncle Bob. So if he's one of those huge fluctuations. If you look at his photo in the uh, future considerations draft guide right there, he looks a little bit like Matt Best. A little bit. A little bit. Matt (laughs) Best. Oh, yeah. Our buddy up in Toronto right there. (laughs) Um, Now, what is said here, too, from EP Rinkside uh, Suzuki is one of the smartest OHL prospects we have seen in years. He's a good skater, excellent passer, and very good at putting himself in scoring positions where he rarely fails to capitalize. He does not play overly physical, but is very good at avoiding contact while doing so. He has excellent hands and all-around vision. The top player in the Alliance Loop this season, his name was the very first called in April's OHL draft. So, I don't think he's going to be available. <laughs> uh, if we're so, going ahead in the clouds pick, I don't want to be that guy. But but Cole, Ca- Cole Caulfield, man. Oh, dear God, if he falls. If he falls. Now, <laughs> rem- now remember. A bad interview or something for him to fall. Remember <laughs> when you were covering the draft, you and Gover, and you were sitting there, and I was Facebook message or no, I was Twitter messaging yeah. you, and I said Ellie Tolvanen when he came up because he was somehow still there at pick 30, and you were saying Cole in. And I was jumping up and down in my room screaming Ellie Tolvin and Ellie Tolvin and they got him. Maybe this lightning will strike again with Cole Caulfield. This Maybe. kid is dynamic. He's the only thing I don't like about him is he's five seven and they already have a Victor Arvidsson. They already have a Rocco Grimaldi. Yeah. But he's so offensively talented. Like if if you could get him, oh my gosh, look out! I mean, he had seventy two goals and a hundred points this year for the American development team, and mm-hmm. he's just oozing potential. He. Started the year, I think. He, I think TSN had him ranked in the mid thirties, late thirties, mm-hmm. and then he just shot up to top ten. I think oh, ISS has him what twelfth. But if he if he somehow falls down there, man, I mean, watch out. If if you could get him, ooh, that's obviously not going to happen. But right, if we're dreaming big, know. Cole Caulfield falling to the Predators, that would be something. But that's like, one of those ones you might get tweeted some hate. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> but hey. Never know. Uh, another name I know that I think this was Adam Dingen's pick in the athletic mock draft was was uh, Nels Hoglander. Hoglander. He is we Swedish. We did look that up, how to say it before this. Yes, he is Swedish. Obviously, some good good history with Swedes for the Natural Predators in Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson in terms of your forwards. Um, and obviously, there's just there's so many Swedes that have been in the system and everything before. So, Hoglander, left winger. He is, let's see... 185 pounds, 5'9". So he's not tiny, necessarily, in terms of his muscle mass on there. And obviously, he still has plenty of room to grow. But in terms of rankings, he's kind of in that sweet spot a little bit, but a little bit high. Uh, Depends. 23 hockey prospect, 29 future considerations, 41 by McKean's, which is very interesting, that big drop there. Then number 11, NHL Central Scouting in terms of European skaters, 19 elite prospects, and number 29 by Uncle Bob. So there is that huge fluctuation factor compared to what we see with Poulin. That that's what's so curious to me is how many scouts put Poulin right in that same spot where there's hardly any fluctuation. All these other ones, yeah. they're ranging almost twenty different picks. It makes me wonder too, how many of these prospects that these scouts that are ranking them have actually seen play a game? True. Or if they're just watching YouTube clips and kind of and like judging from there. Well, this is a highlight video, and every everyone every video I watch has him mm-hmm. on a breakaway scoring a goal compared to. I've watched him in a full mm-hmm. game, and he does get one of those chances a game. But 
The rest sure. of the game, you can't see him. So sure, I'm not saying that you know so and so is bad and whatever, but, but right. No, I get what you're saying. It, it's it's curious how four different draft guides can have someone ranked number eleven. Some can have him ranked twenty three. Some can have him ranked fifty. Like it's just crazy how there's all over the board. And every scout has a difference in the way they're going to evaluate a player too, with what they what they're looking for on the ice, their decision making, what's most important to them as a scout for what type of player they're looking for too. So it's always interesting to see. A, a t- name that you brought up was Philip Tomasino. Uh, this I feel is like that would be a great pick, too, at 24. It would. He's he, a center. He's, he's a center, which yeah. I feel like is the area the Predators need to address the most. Because if you look at their at their system, they don't really have a true center. Rem Pitlick is ri- listed as a center, but I feel like his future is more on the wing. Anthony Richard plays both, but I feel like he's more of a winger as well. Um, you look at Jakob Trenin, who was drafted as a center, and naturally mm-hmm. he is a center. But down in Milwaukee, he shifted out to the left wing as well. I mean, Justin Kirkland plays center here and there a little bit, but he's more of a winger too. The only two people that the Preds have in their minor league system that I feel like are actual true centers are Joachim Kondalik and Tommy Novak. Patrick Harper is a center. He's with Boston College. No, Boston University, right? Yeah, Boston University. I confused myself there. Uh, He's listed as a center, but the dude's like 5'4". I don't see him sticking at center if he gets to the NHL. I feel like they would move him out on the wing, kind of like Victor Arvidsson. Use the speed on the Use the speed to burn up there. So, I mean, other than that, Rocco Grimaldi, Grant Mismash, I mean, everyone else they have listed in their prospect pool is center slash wing. Right. They need a true center, and I feel like Tomasino fits that mold. He is, what am I looking at here? Future Considerations has him listed at number 22. Yeah, number twenty-two, and he five eleven, one seventy-nine. So he's got he's got decent size so for a center. Five eleven there on elite prospects. I list him at six. So I mean, it's only one inch, but you know he's probably going to grow another one or two inches potentially. Yeah, my driver's license yeah. has me listed at five eleven, but I'm six foot, so <laughs> he's you, six, you so can't really trust what you read. Let's go with six foot and one hundred eighty-one pounds. You know he's going to put on about twenty pounds of muscle once he starts yeah. really getting to pro. Then you a two hundred pound six foot center. That's pretty good. I mean, you add, you, add, like you add on a couple inches with the skates. I mean, he'll yeah. he'll be he'll be above average he'll be size there. He'll be fine. Yeah, and so twenty by McKean's, and then eighteen ISS, fourteen by Central Scouting for North American. And everything so. I've read about him in, in all these scouting reports, I mean, it, it's sometimes it's comical reading different scouting reports. And it's like <laughs> this guy has a high motor; he's great in the open ice. And then the exact same player and some other ones will be like, he's kind of slow and he's sluggish to get off the break and stuff. But everyone I read about Tomasino says that he has a crisp pass. And he's really good at finding the open player, Dynamic which offensive talent. Ryan Johansson. Like, yeah. if there's ever something that that has proven to work, Ryan Johansson finding his finding Forsberg mm-hmm. and Arvidsson. If you if you have a Ryan Johansson 2.0, I mean, I would sign up for that every day. Yeah, the EP ringside says his hands are elite, and as a center, you want someone with that, that has elite yeah. hands, and especially you're thinking the future too. Is let's say Ellie Tolvanen stays with it, he ends up being okay. In terms of centers, you Don't want someone to people are going to burn your house down telling Ellie Tolvanen's only okay. I'm just saying if. There's always <laughs> that if factor. You never know. You never know. Things can happen. But, yeah, you want someone that can dish the puck very well. And, obviously, here's hoping that Kyle Turris can get things going, again, based on what he had a really good world championships. David Poole met with him. You know, they're saying they knew it was a bad year for him. They didn't get that going. But if you want people up in the system to keep pushing, 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 then that allows you to have some options years down the road. Because Kyle Turris, maybe he's doing fine, but he's going to get older. So in three, four years, you can trade that off, trade that asset off to a, a team that's trying to get you know to the basement floor of the cap. One last person <laughs> that I, I kind of want to touch on real quick. Yeah. Uh, going through all these these draft guides again, he's he's a little bit of a, an enigma. I've seen him ranked twenty five, then I've seen him ranked down at like fifty two. Is Brett Leeson? He's mm-hmm. a right wing. What I love about him is he's six four. He's two hundred pounds, so he's a big muscular center or forward which is what the Preds need because I feel like you do the Victor Arvidsson thing and it's like okay we can make it work with a small guy then you got Ryan Ellis we can make it work with a small defenseman then you get Rocco Grimaldi I just I feel like you get enough of these small impact players you're going to fall in love with them and then you're going to start drafting more and more of them and you get into you know playoff matches with the Ducks and the Blues and the Stars and, and Winnipeg you need size and I feel like at 6'4 sure. That's exactly that's exactly what they would need. He's another Canadian, um, two hundred pounds. He's a big bodied guy, and what I love is that they say that he's not afraid to, to throw his body into the play, mm-hmm. which is which is great, which is what the Predators need. So Brett Leeson, um, 
Future Considerations has him at 28th. I feel like that's about the, the going rate for him between 25 and 35, somewhere in there. Um, out of all the ones I've looked at, Future Considerations is usually the one that's most spot on compared to... They're not saying they're right all the time, but usually they're they're right more often than any of the other ones. So that's kind of the one I go by the most. But they, they say... Uh, not only has he showcased that he is an offensive weapon, but he plays a strong physical style and will go to the greasy areas of the ice without hesitation. Mm-hmm. Hello, have you seen the Preds power play lately? <laughs> that sounds like it could be something that could provide a jolt, you know, once he gets up there. I mean, that, that sounds like what Brian Boyle does. Go to the front of the net, you get into the crease, and then you chip in a goal. So how about this in terms of one that they may look that maybe ranked a little bit lower, but could be higher on there because he's a big dude, John Beecher. Yeah, he's someone else. John Beecher, 6'3", listed 6'3", 209 yeah. pounds, and a center. Can you imagine trying to move that guy once he gets his full muscle mass? And yeah, he's so from he's... the U.S. national development team, too. So he's he's played on American ice. He's not going to have to, you know, the Ellie Tolvin thing where he's going to have to get used to playing on uh, North American ice. And see David Boyle likes his Americans. Yeah. Um, so he's 45th hockey prospect, 33 future considerations, which still falls kind of in that zone yeah. area. Uh, 30 by McKean's. Um, 49 by Elite Prospects, 41 by Bob McKenzie. So, and he's a center name. too, which he's is a center. We've talked about this. The pre- I think personally is the Preds' biggest need as far as their prospects. And there's other players, obviously, that people are ranking above him, but the Predators might see something different in him. But yeah, he's played with the development team. He's played in the World um, Hockey Championship for U17. Future uh, Considerations says in their scouting report: strong on the puck and attacks the dirty areas as a puck carrier. That's what yeah. that's what you want in a player for this team. Yeah, absolutely. So. Puts in the effort, hard to knock off his skates and board battles. 200-foot player. Obviously things that, that you want out of a player like that, too. And these are just little profiles that we are reading on yeah. these guys. But This is for if you're not, I don't want to say draft illiterate, but if you <laughs> if you don't want to go through and read all these these you know prospect guides that we're going through and all these scouting reports, this is to kind of help you out. Surely out of all the guys we've, we've mentioned, one or two <laughs> of them will be around, and, and <laughs> the Preds will draft one of them and we'll work smart. And... And the thing is, to remember, the Predators don't have a second-round pick, so it's going to be the first, and there's yeah. going to be a break to start the day on Saturday. And then so don't sudden, be surprised if they're sitting there at 24, and they take someone who's ranked in the 30s or 40s because they don't feel like they can get him in the second round because they're not going to be in the second round. Right, if it's a player they really, really want yeah. that is ranked high enough in their draft board. Because uh, any of the then it's going to really go boom with the six other picks they're going to have on Saturday with that third, the two fourths, five, six, seven. Yeah. Boy, that's going to be a, a lot of work if all those guys are there. Now, granted, usually the... The six and the seven usually are not there. If they're there, then yeah. they really fell. <laughs> they really, really fell. Um, but hopefully the third, the two fours will be there. Sometimes the fifth is there because they're ranked high enough to know they should be there, especially if they're American or Canadian. They'll, they'll usually be there at least. So. And the great thing about this scouting department is they have shown over and over they can take a fourth-round pick and they can turn it into a Victor Arvidsson-type player or a Matias Ekholm-type player. So. Just got to work on some of those first-rounders. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, here's the thing, too. I make that joke, but people make that joke and are very serious about it. The draft is a lo- is, is a lottery in itself. You never know with players how they're going to turn out. You never know. You could have guys that you know they're going to be a superstar and they get injured and they're cruised up. Yeah, folks, it's, it's one of those things you just never know. Everything's a risk. You're taking that risk based on the information you know that's been provided to you. Are there some things that you say is a guarantee? Yes. Connor McDavid, generational talent. But what happens if after he gets drafted, he would have broken his leg and it's something that he could never play hockey again? Just one of those injuries. That can happen. And you can sit there and so, scout a player as much as you want. You can get their 40 times and you can get their, their body fat index and you can yeah. all these stats and everything. But there's one thing that even scouts can't measure, and that's how much a guy really, really wants it. Put the work in. Who's going to put the work in for it? I mean, look at I, – I hate bringing this up because I hate hearing Pecorino was drafted around that no longer exists anymore. We all know that. But you look <laughs> at Pecorino as an eighth-round draft pick. Do you honestly think when he was picked, he was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna retire – as the the best goaltender in, in this team's history. Do you think he thought that? No. What happened? He worked his tail off, and he got to where he is. So, again, I mean, you can sit there and say that you scouted all these players and stuff, but you can't measure how bad a player actually wants it. If they want it, if the Preds' seventh-round pick wants to be in the in the league bad enough, he might be able to outwork Connor McDavid. I'm saying he's talented, but it, that, that's stuff you can't really measure. So... Take it with a grain of salt, but yeah, and it's one of, you never know, and that's why it's fun to follow a career because fourth round player could easily make it, and then like Victor Arvidsson was skipped over twice, so it shows too that not every scout knows everything too, 
Because if the player's going to put the hard work in, like Victor Arvidsson did. Austin Watson was sent down and put on waivers, and no one claimed him. And then he came up and had a resurgence. I mean, right. stuff like that happens all the time. And so I want to touch on this briefly, too. I know we... We're focusing most on the first round, so that's what we can prepare most for. Yeah. It's hard to prepare, especially then on the second round. And then you round get pick. there, and David Poyle trades the first round pick for somebody. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but the third round pick, it'll be interesting to see there, too. Once you get, once you get into those later rounds, it's going to come into certain scouts pushing for who they think is best available. Because you have your scouts from North America, from Canada, from Europe, all these other places. That's when, I want to say, fighting starts, where they're going to start pushing. If there's that kid available, like, get him, get him, get him. Like, no, 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 get him, get him. And... That's what's going to start happening in the war rooms. Is they're going to start pushing for different things there too. To with Tom Nolan and and, and David Poyle and Brian Poyle and all these guys there too, and, and Jeff Kelty of what they need to do. So I don't think it's still they're going to be looking at we need to draft this many of this position, this many of this position. They're re, restocking the cupboard as we already said, and unless there's a goaltender that really stands out to them now, I don't think they need to draft a goaltender now. Because, obviously, you have Vomachka in the system. And then they traded, because this is what I want to bring up, for Connor Ingram from the Tampa Bay system for not even this season's seventh-round pick, but two seasons from now seventh-round pick. So, he has history of, I want to say a head case. He just was not fitting in their organization. He was assigned to go to the AHL and refused to go there where he wanted to play in the ECHL. But he's a, still a top goaltending prospect, and to have that in the system is a good thing because they got him for basically future considerations. And I made that tweet, that joke of, please make it a seventh-round pick so we don't look silly by making it future considerations. That's really what it is. When you have a draft pick that long away in the seventh round, that is future considerations, folks. That's Tampa Bay <laughs> saying, like, we don't want to just give you someone so our fans will get mad at us, so give us something. We yeah. don't care what it is, just sure, something. Something to go back and be like, hey, look, we got an asset. Because then David Poyle is hoping it's a 31st pick. <laughs> yeah. For the 31st in terms of 7th and then add a time, yeah, time 7. I mean, um, even if it's the first pick in the 7th round, it's not going to matter by no, that point. But not, not You're not going to find the next big thing. Then, if you find a gem in the seventh round, it's going to change hockey because <laughs> it's just not going to happen. We um, do have a couple questions I want to get to. Yeah, real let's quick. get to those. Um, Andrew Walker said, "It seems like every forward, every is in quotation marks. It seems like every forward we draft never ends up playing for us long term. Most of our forwards now have been acquired through trades. Do you think this is the year we draft a forward who plays right away or long term? I'm going to go with no on either of them because, as he pointed out, most of the 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 forwards that are drafted, either they don't pan out or like Kevin Fiala, they're traded for an asset that can help you now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless, you, unless you're drafting someone like a Philip Forsberg, Forsberg or like a Connor McDavid, that's the problem. The Preds are never drafting in the top five or the top ten. So they'll get a forward with some upside and they'll trade it for someone that can flip them for someone that can help them now. That's, that's a smart way to do it. They're never going to be drafting one overall and get Jack Hughes. They're never going to be drafting one overall and get Connor McDavid. They're not going to get... Those impact forwards. What about Ryan Parent? Oh, he's a D-man. Yeah. What about Ryan Suter? Oh, he was a D-man. What about Scotty Upshaw? Yeah. <laughs> Dan Hamhuis. No, I think the last the last time the Preds picked was their their last supposed to be impact forward was before Kevin Fiala was eleventh. I think uh, who was it? Um, when was Austin Watson drafted? He was what top ten, top fifteen? Yeah, Austin Watson yeah. was drafted in two thousand ten. He was number eighteen overall. Yeah. I mean, the the only okay, in my opinion, the only offensive, offensively gifted forwards the Preds have drafted have been Kevin Fiala, which he didn't pan out when he was traded, and um, Colin Wilson. Colin Wilson, if you want to, if you want to, well, especially him, coming out where he was, yeah, the potential was there for yeah. him to be an impact forward. He was also drafted as a center and transitioned to a wing too, mm-hmm. so that was kind of there. And uh, Alex Radulov, which we all know yeah. that 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 turned out so. The Preds just haven't really had a lot of luck drafting <coughs> forwards Hartnell. in the first round. Scott Hartnell, we're going all the way to the year yeah. 2000, but then they had to get rid of him in the in the yeah. spree. I mean, Scott Hartnell's best years were clearly in Philadelphia. Oh, sure. But, I mean, but, he still finished with 707 points. Yeah. But, like you said, didn't play fully long-term yeah. with the Predators. And that's, and that's I think, the thing. I think that's just... I don't think David Poyle does it by design. I think he gets people that have potential, and he... He sells high on them. And like you trade Kevin Fiala for, for Mikhail, say his last name for us. Grandlund. Grandlund. Yeah. I hope Peyton's <laughs> listening. Uh, I'm gonna Americanize it and say Grandlund. You trade him for Grandlund, and it's it's a trade that at the time worked out for both. And 
I mean, you give Granlin a little bit of time, and he he could be a, a thirty goal, sixty point player for this team next year. You don't you don't know what's going to mm-hmm. happen, but that's that's kind of how how it happens. I don't think it's done by design. It's I wouldn't say every four doesn't end up playing. I mean, a good a good portion of them don't. But I mean, it would be interesting to see for all the teams a percentage. Let's and if you just take like the past decade, past decade or two decades, even if you really want to get into players that had careers, past two decades, what's the percentage? of first-round pick forwards that played more than five seasons for the team that drafted them. I'd say it's pretty low. Yeah. Overall, just because of how the draft works and not everybody makes it or not ever becomes a star. I mean, David Leguan was where he was drafted and what he was capable of doing. He did not live up to those expectations of what was wanted, but he did what was needed, which was provide stability at that position when it was needed at the time. He wasn't the superstar that you wanted him to be, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if they would have had who they wanted <laughs> in that draft? I mean, the number two things. overall pick, I feel... I mean, David Legwan had a great career. I mean, 1,136 points, 228 goals. I mean, or games, not points. Mm-hmm. 618 points. I mean, I feel like that that's a solid career, but as the number two overall pick, he probably should have been a little bit better exactly. than he was. Exactly. So, I think it's one of those things that just depends on who's there and, and, and everything like that, too. But the Predators, it's tough to say that in terms of first-round picks because... Lately, they haven't had many, and sometimes they pick a defenseman, sometimes they pick a forward, so it's, it's tough to gauge that, and so you hope that it works out, that the forward they pick um, works out, and they're going to need that, too, as they're continuing to transition more and more with contracts and everything. They're going to need draft picks to be playing for the team. They can't keep trading everything away. They have to, because what's going to happen with Craig Smith? He's going to be up soon, so... You're going to have to make some decisions on what to do with the future of this team. And who knows what's going to happen with Kyle Turris, da 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 I mean, if you look at the Preds draft history, most of the of the forwards that they that end up having an impact on the team outside of David Legwan and Scott Hartnell, obviously, in the first round, they're not first-round draft picks. Yeah. I mean, Martin Erat was a seventh-round <coughs> draft pick. Um, Craig Smith was a fourth-round draft pick. Jordan Tutu was a fourth-round draft pick. So if, you, if, you're looking, if you're looking at all this stuff, I mean, Radulov was, you know, a couple years he was here, he could have been really good had he stayed. But uh, Patrick Hornquist, another one, he was a seventh-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these guys, I feel like that's just kind of how the Preds approach it. They don't, they don't look like, oh, we have to get it forward in the first round because yeah. we're good at finding them in, in the second, the third, the fourth round. Craig Smith is a fourth-rounder. Yeah. And he only, played, he, he only needed two years, and he came straight to the Preds. I mean, Sissons and Aberg, they were both second-rounders. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean... Victor Arvidsson is a fourth rounder. There's just they. I feel like the fourth round is the Preds' sweet spot. The fourth it's, round is almost like the Preds' first round. That's where they strike gold. <laughs> and they have two. Yeah. <laughs> they have two picks. So we had a couple other questions come in, and no people yes. replied to me. Uh, this is from Joshua Brainerd. Why did GMDP trade next year's seventh and not this year's seventh for Ingram? Does that give GMDP an opportunity to trade up the third or maybe even a second round? I, the simple answer is why trade a pick this year when you can trade it three years from now? Yeah. Yeah. And a seventh is not really much in terms of negotiating yeah. power. If someone is trading up, and we see it sometimes in the sixth and seventh round, we've seen teams exchange picks just because they see a player that they want and they'll cha- go up like six spots or something. So maybe it just gives it a little extra, but really it's not a big deal. This is a little, figuratively, so I don't use the term literally, figuratively, figuratively future considerations. It really yeah. is because that is a future consideration <laughs> being that, that far away that pick is. And, that, and that's a pick the, the Lightning could package in a, with a third or a fourth rounder and move up to the second round or something. I yeah, mean, it's something like that. It's it's not really that equivalent. But. Yeah. And you kind of already answered this, but Sean yeah. Merrill asked, with the pool being a bit light, what area do you think the Preds focus on mainly? Bodies. They need bodies. bodies. <laughs> they, they need players. That but, is the answer, bodies. But, but I think forward just, is probably where they're going to go. And if you narrow it down yeah. before, even smaller to that, I would go center. But, I mean, honestly, if they take an impact left or right winger, I mean, it's... It's it's splitting hairs at that point. I mean, I think they spread it out. Yeah, they're gonna spread it out just to keep the system full. I feel like they go they go forward first round in their next two or three picks. They do what the Preds do, and they go find them some defensemen to groom, and they're gonna end up with a, a Shea Weber or Roman Yossi in round three <laughs> that no one saw, and that's just what the Preds do. So and so, uh, yeah, I think they'll take maybe two defensemen. The rest will be forwards. I, don't I be surprised don't... if in the fifth round they take a goalie too. They could, yeah, they absolutely could. It just, I would Especially be, with Vejmelka leaving. And, I would I mean, be a little surprised just because you have Ingram coming in and Vomachka, and, I mean, Westerholm is still in the system. McCollum. Um, so, <coughs> I'm not saying I'll be surprised. I'll just be a little bit like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> Bitch, will be my, my reaction for that. I mean, they still have Konstantin Volkov, who had a really good year this year, too. So I mean, it's like the Preds are hurting for goalies. But don't be surprised right. if they do, because that's, oh, that's yeah. kind of what they do. The Preds, they draft a goalie Fine. randomly. They'll get a defenseman you've never heard of. Like, I'll say this. When they took Hardy <laughs> Hammond-Actil, I, go, I, I was like, who the hell is that guy? Is that a real person? And then you look at his elite prospect page, and he doesn't even have a photo. It's just a big they do that silhouette. So often, like I can make a graphic out of this. It's yeah. a silhouette. And then you tra- you Google him, and you- the only thing you find is the story that's on the Preds website <laughs> about how they drafted him. Uh-huh. So it's like, who is this guy? And then he shows up last year at development camp. He's like six four. He's like two hundred and twenty pounds. He's he's a big dude, like in a Shea Weber type body. He's he's skating really well. He's hitting people. He's knocking people off the puck. He really impressed me. So I'll, I'll say this: if the Preds take a no-name defenseman in rounds two through seven, I'm just going to sit back and shut up because they know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, man. But it, it should be fun. Side note about Hardy Hammond-Actel. Yeah. Uh, I've told you this story many times. I don't know if I if shared it with the public, but uh, went up to him and just oh, saying right. hi. And it's like, I don't know if you know this, but people in Nashville didn't think you were real. And he kind of laughed and he was like, what? Like, you have no videos. You have no photos. There's very little about you on the internet. And pretty much if you Google yourself, the only thing that you see is just what the Preds wrote about you on the website. Can't find pictures of you, like nothing on Twitter. Like you are the hardest person to find anything on. And he just kind of laughed and he was like, so no one thought I was real? I was like, yeah, like if you didn't show up to development camp, I would have been convinced that you weren't a real person. And he just thought that was like the funniest thing ever because he was probably thinking like, you silly Americans. Right. (laughs) But really, it happens so many times where you Google someone or it's on Elite Prospects and it's just a silhouette. Like... What? Yeah. Are they a real person? <laughs> so, but no, it should be fun. Um, tune in for our coverage. Follow at Penalty Box Radio on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Oh yeah, all the behind the scenes stuff. We'll have you know, if if the prospects are there, Justin will have interviews with them, <laughs> probably some videos and stuff. Oh yeah. Also listen on ESPN Nashville one hundred two five the game. They're gonna have coverage. Um, who's it gonna be? There's gonna be Chase and Ryan, or there's gonna be a live draft party going on Friday night, and then they'll be playing some hopefully some of my audio Saturday morning and Monday morning for the morning show. Yeah, so tune into 1025 the game, penalty box radio, actual live coverage from the draft floor. We're gonna have someone there. Um, and if Justin happens to be on the radio again, it's, it's a shame Gover's not going. When you two get together, it's it's, it's radio gold, man. I know, thank you. But yeah, tune into that. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, hopefully, one of the guys we talked about will be picked and kind of give us a little bit of val- validation <laughs> there. But hopefully, you learn something. If not, go Google these guys. It's the easiest way to learn about them is there to go, go Google them and look at their YouTube videos. But thank you for listening to the Road to Nashville podcast on Penalty Box Radio, and we'll see you next time. Oh, I'm